Did you know that you can be a critically thinking, rational person and be a Christian? Did you know that there's good evidence that Christianity is true? Did you know that the Christian faith can withstand the toughest of scrutiny? Welcome to the Cerebral Faith Podcast, where we believe because of the brains God gave us and not in spite of them. I'm your host, Evan Minton. Welcome to the Cerebral Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Minton. Today, I'm happy to introduce my first two guests. Before I get started, I want to alert our listeners that listener support has just been enabled. So I would be very grateful if you went to the Cerebral Faith Podcast's anchor page and donate whatever you can. Your donations will be used to get better recording equipment, uh, research materials, witnessing materials, and other things important to this ministry. Also, if you haven't heard, my recent book on the historicity of the resurrection of Jesus is now out. It's called My Redeemer Lives, Evidence for the Resurrection of Jesus. If you want a good argument for why we should believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead besides the Bible tells me so, then this is the book for you. You can get it in paperback and on Kindle at Amazon.com. Now, let's get started. Many people seem to think that either you can't be a true scientist unless you are an atheist, or at the very least that the best scientists are committed to atheism. However, a large number of scientists are theists. I saw a poll somewhere that said that around 33% of scientists were theists. While that is a minority, it's not as small of a minority as what the media and popular internet infidels would have you believe. The two guests that I have on here with me today are among the community of scientists who are Bible-believing Christians. They are microbiologists, and they are good friends who share a lab together. Ladies, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Okay, my name is Angela Fugate, and I'm Rihanna Rogers. We live here in Idaho, and we do have a lab that we share. Um, We started the lab in 2005. Mm -hmm. We actually bought it from someone who um, had previously started uh, microbiology. Um, it was medical microbiology, actually. And so after we finished our internship, we um, talked about it, and it was a little scary, but we jumped in and bought the lab, and God has taken us from there. So, yeah. Cool. Um, now, how did you become Christians? How, what led you to uh, commit your lives to Jesus Christ? Okay, well, um, for me, as far back as I can remember, I believed in God, and I believe that Jesus died for my sins, and the reason that I believe that is because God gave me the mother that he did. Um, she, I guess it was Bible camp for her, that she she was saved at Bible camp when she was um, a teenager, and um, got married really young, um, had a couple kids, me and my younger brother, um, my dad was in the Navy at the time, and he was also um, doing schooling um, at school. So he wasn't around a lot. And when I was about three years old, he met a woman named Lynn and divorced my mom, married Lynn. And um, he tried to do the visitation with me and my brother, but we didn't know him very well because he hadn't been around. So it was really traumatic for me and my brother and really traumatic for him, I think. And so um, he just kind of gave up and moved away. And so it was just, um, my mom was a single mom. This was back in the seventies when that wasn't 
really a, a common thing yet. And um, so she moved in with my grandparents, her parents, and um, I just watched her my whole life um, rely on God, trust in God. And so anytime there was a problem, she got on her knees in prayer and things worked out. So I had, I had that viewpoint from a young age. And I also credit her with my interest in science. Um, she would take me and my brother on walks a lot and you know, we'd find leaves and she'd say, look at, look at the pattern on this leaf and isn't God a master artist? Or um, we'd find a bug she'd say the same thing, hasn't God, God done great things, you know, and I remember one time I fell and I was bleeding and I said, um, mom, what's in blood? And she said, well, I know there are blood cells, but I don't know what else, but what I know about God, there must be a lot more. So let's go to the library and find out. And so that's, I mean, that's where I kind of got my interest in science as well. And for me, science and God were, um, together. There wasn't a, never a separation that way. That's why when I was older and heard people say that, you know, if you can't believe in God and love science, that was foreign to me because I always thought of them together. Science was just discovering what God's done. And so that's that's me, Angela. That's my story. <laughs> and mine's kind of the opposite. <laughs> um, like when I was a kid, I, I mean, my parents raised both me and my brother to kind of, I mean, be nice to everybody, but we, we were definitely not raised in a religion or any sort of belief. Um, my dad had grown up Catholic and my mom had grown up Mormon and they just kind of decided to raise us without any religion because neither of them were really serious about their belief systems. And so, um, most of my childhood, I would say that I was definitely an atheist. Um, maybe as I got older, maybe more of an agnostic, but, definitely still had more atheistic views. I didn't believe in a creator. I didn't believe that anything, you know, like any being created the earth. I, I definitely believed in, you know, like the big bang, evolution, all that stuff until I actually started studying it as an adult. Um, and the way I came to Christ is kind of over a, <laughs> probably a good 10 year process, I think. Um, it's kind of what I refer to as like the Christian tackle. <laughs> um, here in, in Idaho, there's not necessarily a whole lot of Christians. There's a lot of Mormons, um, which are, you know, they have like their paganistic beliefs. Um, but we don't really have a lot of Christians. And when I started college, it was just interesting because every single one of my lab partners or study partners or you know, people that I hung out with and, and went to dinner with, you know, they all ended up being Christian and every single one of them evangelized to me, every single one of them. <laughs> and like I said, it was, I mean, I, I remember getting angry over it. You know, I, I got so sick of listening to these people tell me about Jesus and tell me that, you know, there was a creator when I, I knew differently, you know, I was I one of I those people, yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but just over a, a really long process, you know, eventually I kind of started questioning, you know, what I had grown to, you know, learn as far as in science and, and um, kind of start, I don't know, questioning everything that I had believed before, I guess. And like I said, it was a long, long process with continual arguments, but eventually I 
I came to believe. So Yeah, it was really awesome to watch that happen, too, because um, for our senior seminar class, Rihanna, she wasn't a believer yet, but she was starting to question at that time, and her senior seminar um, subject was how the evolution of man is a pseudoscience. And our professor was awesome. He was an atheist, but he, he was an awesome professor, and he was so uncomfortable with that, but he had a hard time arguing her points, and it was really awesome to watch. Huh. Interesting. That, that's that's fascinating stories. Um, so one, you Angela, you grew up Christian. Rihanna, you grew up uh, atheist agnostic, but you both ended up in the same place. That's you know, I uh, I think about how God works and His divine providence, and uh, as people who follow the blog and follow the podcast know, I'm a Molinist, and I believe that God uses His middle knowledge of of uh, what what he knows we would freely choose to do in any given circumstance to orchestrate everything under the sun. And, and I, I think of how God uses all of the circumstances in our lives to bring us where he wants us to be. Now, um, what made you, uh, well, Angela already partially answered this question, but uh, uh, Rihanna, what what made you want to grow, to go into microbiology, and and also, what is a microbiologist, and how does that differ from other biologists? This is also a funny, like funny answer, <laughs> but um, I I think I always knew I wanted to go be a part of the healthcare system. Um, I do actually care a lot about people. Um, I just have a hard time talking to people or actually interacting with people. And I'm definitely an introvert, um, but I do care. And um, one of my first jobs when I was, I think I started that job when I was 16 years old, I was a janitor at a local hospital. And uh, just, you know, being in that position, I, I ended up cleaning a lot of different places. You know, I, you know, cleaned the radiology lab. I cleaned the, you know, actual microbiology lab, the where they do the blood, blood testing and all that stuff, but, and physical therapy and everything. But the people that were the nicest to me were the people in the lab. And, uh, they would always pull me aside and kind of show me what they were doing. And, and they were always just so sweet to me, even though I was just a janitor, you know, where everybody else, you know, always treated me like I was just a janitor. <laughs> um, but I wasn't, you know, that important or good enough to talk to or, you know, that sort of thing. And, and I just kind of grew to like, you know, like that environment and like those people. And um, originally I had just planned on becoming like a forest service ranger or something like that. Cause I love the idea of just being out in the woods by myself. Um, Cause I am scared of people, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, when I got older, I, I mean, I got pregnant with my first son when I was 17 and kind of realized that I'm going to have to get a real job for him here, you know, taking care of him. And so I think that's why, you know, I just remembered back to when I was a janitor and those people were always so nice and everything was so interesting. And, and so that's why I decided to become a microbiologist. So they definitely inspired me to do that. So, yeah, it, it was an awesome journey yep. too, but uh, I, I just always loved biology and uh, I always tell people I used to play with bugs when I was a little girl and now I still play with bugs. They're just smaller. So it's always been something I've loved. 
we get so excited over it. People are like, ew, that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> but we had a really awesome professor, the same one that uh, I was talking about earlier with our senior seminar, who was a, our parasitology professor. And he, everybody thought it was so gross. He had us bring some of our own feces <laughs> to look at it. I know. And the smell that day in class was not great, but how, how it was How did you awesome, even do awesome how did you even do that? Did you did you like go in a bag or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, and everybody thought it was so gross, but looking back on it, it was such an awesome experience and uh-huh. so unique, you know. And, and it was exciting to see what was in there too. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and then, as far as like what a microbiologist actually is, it's mm-hmm. I guess bio lifeology study of the study of life. Yeah, you know, and micro study of small life basically. So. I mean, you can branch it down to other things, you know, parasitology, virology, you know, bacteriology. Those things are all branches of microbiology. So, yep. Although there are some virologists that say that viruses are not alive. Yeah, so that's an interesting, yeah, that's an interesting subject. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, the study of tiny life, I guess. Yeah, the, stu- the study of tiny things that... That's I fi- I figured that was the case. I wanted to ask for the listeners though who might not know because you know yeah, by bios. Include... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, bi- yeah, bios the the Greek word that's where biology comes from. It's the study of life, and of course, micro that means tiny, like micro machine, yeah. micro SD cards. So you know, just put two and two together, and you you think yeah, it's a study of very very tiny organisms. Right, and it includes all that goes along with that, including the study of DNA. So yeah. And- yeah and um, metabolic pathways in bacteria and that kind of thing. Yeah. D- DNA is, is awesome, by the way. Uh, it, it is a genetic code, and this is um, one of the evidences for an intelligent designer of life. Now, I know that you, I know, Angela, that you have uh, gotten into some internet conversations with some skeptics on the biological evidence for a design would you would you like to unpack the argument for dna for uh, from dna for us yeah well it's a a code and where do you get a code you don't get a code from um just regular processes like um who was it was a stephen Meyer that talked about like um, salt, for instance, you know, NACL, NACL, it's just a um, repeated mantra, but DNA is information and information comes from a mind and you can't get around that. It's, it's no different than um, a computer program, but DNA is much more um, intricate than that. So I've never understood how (laughs) they could even even come up with the the argument that just um, natural processes, you yeah. know, just let turn loose can can create information. Information is not a mantra; it's it's unpredictable. So, and yeah, I've never heard an argument that I was convinced of anyway. <laughs> yeah, it, it really it really is like a computer code because um, you know a, the DNA it's got four chemical letters adenine side i don't know if i'm pronouncing these correctly ad is it adenine cytosine thymine and guan guanine right. <laughs> yeah um and they're represented by the letters a c t and g 
and these letters are, are repetitious throughout the genetic code, and they're very limited, and yet they mean something. And it, it's just like binary code. All, all you have are two characters, right. ones and zeros, and yet you can do a lot. You can program a lot of things with just those ones and zeros. And, and we'll look at all the amazing technology we have, and yeah, it, it can't even do what a tiny cell can do. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, my, I think I think it was um, I think it was uh, well, actually, pretty much every intelligent design guy says that the the cell is is pretty much like a factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and it really is. I've, I watched some of these animated videos on YouTube of uh, of what goes on inside the cell, and I'm like, this is like, this, this is this is incredible. Um, now I. It's a self-replicating yeah, factory. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, now you know some people who have uh, been following my blog. I I have recently came out as an evolutionary creationist or a, a theistic evolutionist, but I I do think that intelligent design. I think that there are the these areas are the ones that they have that the ID has the most powerful case in. There's the cosmic fine tuning of the universe the local fine-tuning of the universe, and the origin of life. I do, I do not think that a, a biogenesis has a leg to stand on. I think, that, I think that common ancestry is true, but I don't think that you, you just have these parts in a primordial soup, and then one day some lightning struck, and they all came together, and voila, you've got a, ce- you've got a single cellular organism. I think that that's ludicrous. That's kind of where Rihanna was in her journey, too, um, especially with DNA, I think, studying DNA. I think the microbial genetics class that I took, I think, was the definitely the kicker because you're sitting here learning about how these, you know, the DNA unzips itself and, you know, this protein attaches on and starts reading this section of the DNA and, and shoots out some messenger RNA and this messenger RNA goes somewhere. I don't even remember. See, it's been too long. And, <laughs> and somehow it turns into this other protein, you know, it folds up and at the end point it turns into another protein. And it's, it just, to me, it was like the chicken and the egg argument. Well, you can't have one without the, out the other, you know, it just, none of this could have, arisen you know through periodic steps you know this all had to be here at the same time or this wouldn't work you know so it comes down to that irreducible complexity sort of argument where this doesn't doesn't work without you know all of its parts and and you can't have you know it just coming from nothing so it's interesting too asking professors about these kinds of problems you get um either anger <laughs> or they talk all around it. They, mm-hmm. they never address directly the issues, which is mm-hmm. interesting because they can't, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was oh, who who was it? Um, it was some it was some biologist. I can't. Oh, Richard Lewontin. He said he said um, something something something. We cannot d- allow a divine foot in the door. Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard that. Yes. <laughs> yep. I have to pull that up the is. quote. I can't. All, all I remember is that the the t- the tagline at the end about not letting a divine foot in the door. Mm-hmm. That's that just... really is the the agenda. There is that they there has to be this materialistic process. There can't be any supernatural aspect to that. So 
which is again odd to me because I, I just I was fortunate in the way I was raised, but I, I don't understand a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I think, like I said, it's what what started coming, you know, making me come around to even like agnosticism initially was just the actual study of of what they they claim happened, and I, yeah, like the abiogenesis. There's no way I I don't. I don't know how you can even come to that conclusion. There's, we don't see it now. We don't. We've yeah, got, especially you know, science being, uh, you know, repeated observation. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> we we should be seeing it all the time now, and we we don't. Yeah. So I I remember you know a lot of our professors having to make us read you know these. I remember the one that's called a biography of a germ. I don't know who wrote it, but I remember being made to read it and (laughs) and that's kind of what he talks about you know the author talks about too is just you know the whole primordial soup and then lightning struck and and I remember reading that in college and just shaking my head like I don't know how anybody can believe this you know this I mean it takes way more faith to believe in that than it would believe it to believe in a creator you know so so you're saying you don't have enough faith to be an atheist Exactly. <laughs> I don't. And that's, like I said, it was a long process and it was hard because I basically was having to question everything that I had built my whole, you know, my whole foundation, basically, you know, for my life. I, I had built it on, you know, my atheistic point of view. And, but at the same time, I mean, logic and reason always wins over and you can't, you can't live life like that unless you're just choose to delude yourself. So, <laughs> Which I guess some people do, but <laughs> she she really struggled and fought it for a long time though. Because um, what was it, 2000? Because we've been in business together since 2005, but was it 2008? Yeah. 2009, where you actually accepted Christ. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, th- 2009. That's interesting because that's 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 pretty much that's around the time that I gave my life to Christ. Uh, you know, I I gave uh, my testimony recently on uh, Kyle Hendricks. Um, uh, his podcast, the AK-47 podcast, uh, talking about cerebral faith and, and how I became a Christian and how I got into apologetics and, and all that good stuff. Uh, so yeah, we've been, we've been saved around the same amount of time. Yep. <laughs> it's harder cause I'm a little older though. So <laughs> That's all right. she got it. <laughs> It was it was cool though because I think I think she had a hard time because Brianna's always kind of felt like an outcast a little bit um, yeah. growing up a little you felt that way yeah and I'm just I just like I said I have a really hard time relating to people anyways it's it's just always been a difficulty for me um, but I think around the time that I was definitely you know moving away even from agnosticism and believing in a creator you know I had. Like I said, it's my Christian tackle. I've always had these strange Christians just pop up <laughs> in my life, evangelizing to me. <laughs> but I ended up working with a girl, um, and her name was Mindy, and she, you know, was sweet and uh, invited me to church. So I kind of started going to church with her, and uh, you know, finally, I just there, you know, like I said, I'm in my my own head. I'm arguing with myself the whole time, you know, for years and years, and. And finally, I just was like, all right, God, if you were there, you know, you got to explain to me where I belong because I, I'm not, not like these people. I, I don't, I don't understand, you know, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I don't know what I'm supposed to, 
where I fit, basically, you know. And uh, it was the strangest thing because I'm just praying in my car while I'm driving. And and I this is the closest thing because I've, I've never had this happen before, like, or since then. But I got this really clear voice in my head saying, it's okay. You're, it's okay if you're the butthole of Christ. <laughs> and I, I did the exact same thing. I busted out laughing and, you know, like laughing so hard I was in tears over it. And that's when I came around because, like, even he made a place for me. You know, and <laughs> it just reminds me of that scripture where it talks about the different parts of the body and how um, one may not um, feel like, yeah. yes, yeah, as good as the others or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I know which one you're talking so. about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember which one it is, but yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, you might want to edit that out. <laughs> not sure how kosher that is. <laughs> I think it's a great testimony because God, you know, meets us where we are. And that's what Rihanna needed to hear to come around. So. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the we talked about how science actually supports God's existence. I and I mentioned the cosmic and local fine tuning. Those are my favorite teleological arguments. And for the listeners of this podcast, you can go to episodes four and five, I believe, where I unpack those arguments. In this episode, uh, Angela and Rihanna talked about the evidence in the cell, the DNA, and irreducible complexity. But in spite of this, uh, there a lot of people think that science and faith are in conflict, and they, they're, um, I remember the, um, I remember hearing, I think it was, Deborah Harzma of BioLogos brought up her her Christian faith at at one point, and she she said um, one of her colleagues says um, you're going to need to stop talking now, or else I might just start ridiculing you. <laughs> that was just, and I I also remember the movie Expelled, where these people who they did they uh, advocated for intelligent design, and they were pretty much ostracized. And I can imagine that a lot of uh, young people in the church who they when they go to college, they want to pursue a career in the sciences, and they may be afraid of some of this ostracism and maybe some of the anti-Christian attitudes that they, they hear are on university campuses and, and in some of these circles. What would you, what advice would you give to young people in the church who want to pursue a career in the sciences? What would you, what would you say to those people? I'd say do it, but walk with God in the process. Cause it, it is a little scary, you know, with all the um, ridicule mm-hmm. we, we dealt with that, even just with um, professors mm-hmm. um, at uh, in college, but um the truth is on your side. So you just, you kind of got to have a thick skin and walk with God and just see what he does. Like I would never have thought that God would have put us here where we are with a successful business. Like Rihanna and I both are really um, shy (laughs) introverts. And I think we both have the idea that we just become lab rats and kind of hide away in a lab. And God said, Nope. And he gave us a business. And so we've had to be business women, which means just the opposite. Yeah. We have to talk to people every day. And so, um, 
you, you just have to walk with God and see what he does. And he takes you out of your comfort zone a lot, but um, it just grows you and, and it's just exciting to see what he does. So I say, don't be afraid, do it and just keep, keep him by your side. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Um, now, and remember that the people that say faith and, um, and science don't go together, I think they have the wrong definition of faith. Because yeah. Hebrews gives us the right definition of faith, and it's not a blind faith at all. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that, is, that is exactly right. It's a, it's a synonym for trust. You, you trust in God. You can have, you can have evidence for, Christi- for Christianity. You can have evidence that God exists, but that doesn't eliminate the possibility of you having faith in him. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That substance and evidence, that's not empty. That's not blind. That's a foundation. That's a good foundation. So that's, that's the biblical definition of faith. And, and with that, there's, there's no worry and there's no problem with, with God and science. True, true. Now, um, what, what work are you currently doing in your lab? What are you working on? Well, we initially started with um, medical microbiology when we first bought the lab. And we did that for, well, we did it for, what, seven, yeah. seven years, I yeah. guess. But about two years in, we started to realize that that was not going to to work for us. We weren't, we weren't going to be able to just do medical microbiology. And so that's actually part of our testimony together yeah. too, I think is um, um, things are starting to not go well with our business. And I was at the time kind of angry at God about that because we, we had taken a chance and moved our families, you know, to Idaho Falls to, to do this. And and things were going downhill. So I was praying one day, like, God, why, why, why did you do this? Like, I've tried everything. I don't know what to do. I just give up. Like, this, this is on you. You're going to have to do something about this. And honestly, it was less than an hour later, one of our um, colleagues from another lab mm-hmm. came and she said, um, we are moving our lab to Montana. So you guys want our, our customers and I was just so blown away. I remember as soon as she left, I was like, I'm listening, God, I'm listening. <laughs> what do we need to do? And so we branched out into environmental microbiology and now we do um, water testing. Water quality testing. Yeah, water. So it's um, drinking water and wastewater testing, basically. And and we kept the medical micro side for um, a few years after that. But with all the changes in um, insurance and that kind of thing, it just got to be too difficult. So now that's solely what we do is environmental microbiology. Cool, cool. Now, um, back to the um, science and faith issue. What I know that there are, I've, I've said this before, that among theology, theological topics, there is probably... No area of wider disagreement, wider divergence, more numerous schools of thought than in two areas, the beginning of the world and the end of the world, creation and eschatology. Everything in between, there's smaller numbers of schools of thoughts, but you, talk, you get to the creation of the world and you get to the, the, the end of the world, the second coming of Christ and the recreation of the heavens and earth, and you've got... You've got like 
10, 15, 20 different interpretations of what's of what's going on there. And that's why, you know, even though eschatologically I, I currently identify as a partial preterist, and I, I kind of lean towards John Walton's cosmic temple view, I, I'm not dogmatic about either of these, because the, there's just so many different things out there. I mean, there could be, you know, I could read a book one day, or I could be going through the Bible one day, and, and I'd be like, wait a minute, this doesn't add up. Let me let me reconsider. So I just, I, I'm not, so, but what, um, Genesis is a really hot topic among the whole science faith controversy. Yes, what, is. what is, um, what do you think of the opening creation accounts, and uh, what's, what's your interpretation, and uh, what would be some of the arguments that you would give in favor of that interpretation, uh, exegetically, scripturally? Um, well, that's a tough one for me. Um, I, I started out as old earth creationist and I'm, it's, it's weird to say, but I'm a reluctant young earth creationist now, I would say. And, um, I still have some like gray areas, but, um, there's the, you know, the earth was without form and void scripture that I've heard some people say that should be um, translated, or the earth became without form and void. And I think it's in Isaiah when it says God did not create the earth without, and the same words are used, without form and void, basically. And so I don't know what's going on there, but I cannot get past Exodus 20, 11. That, that's the one that, that hangs me up <laughs> as far as as um, old earth versus young earth, because to me, God wrote in stone with his finger that he, in in six days, he created, and that's why the, the Sabbath is, mm-hmm. yeah, is holy. So that's, I, I'm very reluctant, though, <laughs> but I'm still, I'm still looking and searching, but I can't get past Exodus 20. That's my, that's my hang up. Yeah, that that is that is probably the most um, that probably is the strongest um, proof text in favor of the uh, calendar day view. Um, yeah, the week. Well, I've heard some people say God just established a pattern, and and I get that. I mean, He did, but to me, it's it's just the pattern of the work week, and it seems to to connect that to what He did specifically. And so, and I think you, Rihanna, is always. Yeah, I I think I've always, like I said, I think when I started questioning everything that I thought I knew, that's when I started just kind of rebuilding from, from scratch, basically. And I, I, I take it more, you know, that God means what he says and says what he means, but I'm, I'm with Angela. I, that's the one thing that I can't get past is Exodus 20, because he did write it with his own finger in stone (laughs) and it's meant to be six literal days. So I, and it's hard for me because I used to argue <laughs> old earth creationism. And um, I feel like it's, it's too bad that within the body, there's so much contention with right. it. I just see, I don't, I, I wish we could talk kindly about it, but I see a lot of people and I think I was guilty of it too, saying, you know, the young earthers are kind of the dumb ones <laughs> as far as the, as the body goes, but now being reluctantly, there myself, I see things differently, of course, but um, 
I just wish we could be kinder about these yeah. arguments and not just immediately. It, it feels um, the argument between old earth and young earth, what I've seen online anyway, feels like the arguments between atheists and Christians where yeah. it, it kind of comes down to name calling after a while. And, yeah. and that's really too bad. Acting. I've heard yeah. um, Greg Kokel talk about that. Yeah. He, yeah, he has a hard time with that too. I think yeah. the, the meanness in the body. Yeah. Yeah, that that's definitely something that like I don't even want to debate it anymore because it's just it's it's so it it's probably the most toxic theological debate that there is. And yeah. um and I think that people should be free to look at the the Bible and look at the science and you know, we 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 interpret science and um, science and theology are interpretations of God's two revelations. I know reasons to believe and biologos both have this um, this uh, two books analogy. God has revealed Himself to us in two books: the book of nature and the book of Scripture, and both come from the same author, God, and both are therefore infallible and inerrant, and they don't tell any lies. But nevertheless, our interpretation of the book of nature and the book of scripture, because we are finite, fallible human beings, that, that can be wrong. And, and so we need, we need to be open to the fact that maybe, maybe the science is wrong, like maybe evolution is wrong. I, you know, I'm, open, I'm open to that. Because I'm a, a theist and not an atheist, I'm, I, don't, I am not committed to a naturalistic worldview. So if I found evidence for... Um, um, special independent creation or even young earth creation, I'd be like, I'd have no problem with that. Cause I, you know, I don't just allow a divine foot in the door. I mean, I, I, I open the door wide open and invite God to come in. Um, but That's also, the way to be, Evan, is not too dogmatic about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You have to searching and, and, um, for me, like I, I had the two book view too, but I, I kind of have given that up. Not that I think creation is wonderful and I love studying it, but God elevates his word above even his name. Scripture tells us that. So yeah. I lean more towards true. The the, word but, um, yeah. but, but yeah, yeah, we all, we also need to be, be open to, um, our interpretation of, of scripture being wrong because, oh, yeah. um, you know, cause the, the word is inerrant and it's, it, it's not false, but I think I think a lot. Than we are. <laughs> yeah, I, but I think a lot. I, I get accused oftentimes of um, because I take an, an old Earth view. I get accused of not believing the Bible, and that's just not the case at all. Uh, I I believe the Bible just as, as strongly as any uh, Christian in the church. I just have a, a different interpretation of it. And so we need to, I think you're very right, we need to be humble with regards to our scientific conclusions, with regards to our theological conclusions, realize that um, our, we, we could be wrong in one, or we could be wrong in the other. We could be wrong in both. Um, <laughs> and so and we just need to be, you know, like, say, I think you're interpretation of genesis is wrong these are my reasons why and the other guy would be like i think your interpretation of genesis is wrong and here are my reasons why and i think the scientific evidence supports 
young earth creationism or old earth creation with no evolution or evolutionary creation. And here, and here are some of the scientific points that I think support that view. And the other guy would be like, no, I, I don't think that's, I don't think your logic is sound enough, but none of this, oh, you're a man pleaser, you're a compromiser, you're a, you just, you just deny the word of God from the young earth side. And then, but you know, the older side, they're just as guilty. I've seen, I've seen people in the older, I've seen people in the old earth group called young earthers cultists. And I just, I just cringe at that. I'm like, why would you say that? And, uh, you know, anti-science and, you know, not critical thinkers and and like you said, stupid. And it's just like, I was like, come on, guys, you know, we're adults here. Let's let's reason these things reasonably. On both sides of the arguments, I I have, you know, sympathy for both sides. But, yeah, that's uh, really too bad that it's like that. But um, I think, you know, not only do we need to be listening, but, you know, like kind of seeking out other ideas. Um, like it's, it was hard for me at first, but um, just some of the young earth people like Jason Lyle mm-hmm. are really interesting. I, I don't agree with everything that he right. says, but um, I mean, I, I think his ideas are interesting. And then there's um, his name's Barry Setterfield. You'll have to look him up. He is fascinating. He has a uh, plasma universe um, hypothesis that is I'm so fascinated with right now. I, I haven't read into it completely, but um, I've, I've been kind of looking at that a little bit. And I, I just I, I don't think we should just brush these kinds of things under the carpet. We need to be open and listening to these maybe kind of outlier ideas, you know, out, out of the box ideas, just because it's. Um, I mean, we, we may all be wrong, you know, maybe one of these, these supposedly crazies out here, you know, the ones that seem crazy or are on the right track. I don't know, but it's, I feel, I feel bad for Barry Setterfield because he, he, you can tell he's a really smart guy, but his, I don't think he ever got his degree Yeah. because, um, his sister was sick or something and he took care of her, but the guy is brilliant. Yeah. He's brilliant. And I think people just brush him aside because he doesn't have a degree. And so, but he's done all kinds of lab, um, just all kinds of lab work and, and investigation into this plasma universe thing. That's something you should look into, Evan. You might find it interesting. And then there's also a young earth creation group out of um, England. I can't remember their name. They focus more on history, the side of history. And they are fascinating too, because um, they've shown how like just, it was it Jeffrey of Monmouth? Is that his name? He he was a historian that that most people just brush aside because a lot of his history seems odd, but he seemed just as um, genuine. Yeah, genuine as any other historian, and it's just his his history is more along like a biblical or young earth mm-hmm. um, timeline. And so I don't know. I, I I I'm still looking but i find these groups and these people really fascinating and not not enough people are listening to them or mm-hmm. looking into alternatives i think so should always be searching yeah yeah and um i would i would recommend to the listeners that if you want a survey of different interpretations of genesis there's two I would recommend one is uh, one you have to to buy, but the other one is completely free. Uh, the free one is William Lane Craig's uh, Creation and Evolution 
uh, section in his defenders class. And William Lane Craig, I don't even, he doesn't, he, he doesn't really find any interpretation of Genesis satisfying. He just, he's just like, uh, you know, they all have strengths and weaknesses and some of them are better than others. And I just don't really know where to fall. That's kind of, that's kind of Craig's attitudes towards Genesis. But he, I think he does a good job of, I think he's um, very objective. I think he, he represents uh, all of the different v- views well, the day-age view, the calendar day view, the, the cosmic temple view, the, oh, um, what, what was it, the, um, the gap theory, and, and there's, like, there's like a dozen different ones. And you can go on reasonablefaith.org and uh, listen to those uh, lectures for free to get a survey if you're uh, if you're a non-christian or or if you're even a christian um to just look at all the different look at their strengths and their weaknesses and just see which which one you think is the most reasonable which one you think has the most uh scriptural and logical support behind it now the one that you have to buy would be Deborah and Lauren Harzma's origins christian perspectives on creation evolution and intelligent design and they also have a survey of both um well both concordist interpretations like the uh, calendar day view the day age view the gap view and also non-concordist interpretations like the cosmic temple view the framework hypothesis and so on and so forth and so if you just want to oh also i think well, this is really more about uh, Adam. There's a, a book that Zondervan has out that's called The Four Four Views on the Historical Adam, and I think there's also a book called Four Views on Creation and and, um, and Evolution or something. Uh, but the, these are the these are the resources you want to go if you just want to look at the various different. If you if you haven't made up your mind and you're just looking, you just want to figure out what that is, uh, what, what you should hold to. And the, what, the thing I like about Zondervan's Forrest Vubes books is that, uh, they, each, each view has an adherent to that view, giving a defense for it. They got a whole lot of other good stuff too, like, uh, two views on women in ministry, uh, um, four views on the doctrine of hell and, and stuff like that. And it's a lot of good stuff there. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> check it out. So, um, I think I've I've run out of questions to ask. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, and uh, I hope that the listeners will get a lot out of this. Thank you, Evan. It was yeah. a pleasure. Thanks, Evan. That, that's the end of the Cerebral Faith podcast for this week. Come back next week in which I will be interviewing David Parrish, how apologetics not only saved his faith, but also did something else that you don't normally hear in apologetics uh, helped me kind of stories. So be sure to tune in next week for that. You can subscribe uh, via iTunes and Stitcher, um, Google Podcasts, and or you could just listen to your browser at cerebralfaithpodcast.blogspot.com see you next week